We meet today in Psalm 23 and Psalm 24, considering Christ as the great shepherd and Christ as the chief shepherd. Psalm 23, which is so popular, would be meaningless without Psalm 22, which leads me to say that we have a trilogy or a trifage of Psalms here that belong together. There are Psalms 22, 23, and 24, and they are called the Shepherd Psalms. These three Psalms represent the following picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. These three Psalms present the following picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Psalm 22, He is our Good Shepherd. The Lord Jesus Himself made the statement, I am the Good Shepherd, and the Good Shepherd gives His life for the sheep. Now in Psalm 23, he is the great shepherd. Notice that this title in the great benediction at the conclusion of the epistle to the Hebrews is also given. Now the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That comes from Hebrews 13, verse 20 to verse 21. What a great benediction there. Psalm 23 reveals Christ as the great shepherd. Next, we see him in Psalm 24. In Psalm 24, Christ is revealed as the chief shepherd. We read in First Peter 5 verse 4, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory which does not fade away. To put it succinctly, in Psalm 22 we see the cross. In Psalm 23, uh, the, the crook, that is the shepherd's crook. And in Psalm 24 we see the crown, the king's crown. In Psalm 22, Christ is the Savior. In Psalm 23, He is the Satisfier. In Psalm 24, He is the Sovereign Lord. In Psalm 22, He is the Foundation. 23, He is the Manifestation. 24, He is the Expectation. In Psalm 22, Christ dies. In 23, He is living. And in 24, He is coming. Psalm 22 speaks of the past, Psalm 23 speaks of the present, and Psalm 24 speaks of the future. In Psalm 22, he gives his life for the sheep. In Psalm 23, he gives his love to the sheep. In Psalm 24, he gives us light when he shall appear. What a wonderful picture that we have here of Christ in these three Psalms. Now, let us zero in on Psalm 23, probably the most familiar passage there is in the Word of God. No portion in writing of any time or of any work has been so widely circulated as Psalm 23. Jews, both Orthodox and Reformed, know this psalm. Christians of all denominations are acquainted with this psalm. The world has caught its beauty. Much has been written about this psalm, although its six verses are short and simple. Psalm 23 has few words. It said, if you have anything important to say, say it in five minutes. Well, it only takes about 
45 seconds to read Psalm 23. It is brief. It is not the language of philosophy. It is not the language of theology. It is not even a legal or scientific document. It is sublimely simple and simply sublime. Before we look at the text itself, there are some things that we should consider about this psalm. It is agreed that David is the author, but the question has always been, did he write it when he was a shepherd boy or when he was an aged king? In Psalm 23, you do not have the musings of the green, inexperienced lad, but you have some kind of the mature deliberations of a ripe experience. You see, David, when he came close to the end of his life, he looked back upon his checkered life career. It was then that he wrote this psalm. The old king on the throne remembered the shepherd boy. Life had beaten him and battered and baffled and bludgeoned this man. He was a hardened soldier. He was a veteran who knew victory, privation, hardship. He knew song and shadow. He was tested and tried. Therefore, in Psalm 23, we do not have the theorizing of immaturity, but we have fruit and the mature judgment born of a long life. So this psalm begins by saying, The Lord is my shepherd. By what authority do you say, my shepherd? Is this psalm for everybody? I don't think so. This psalm, since Psalm 22, 23, and 24 go together and tell one story, you have to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep before you can know him as the great shepherd. You must know the shepherd of Psalm 22 before you can come to Psalm 23 and say, The Lord is my shepherd. Let's talk about the revelation of the sanctuary of the shepherd's soul. Psalm 23 verse 1 and verse 2. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Notice my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down. He leads me. This is a he and a me psalm again. The emphasis is upon the fact that there is nothing between the man's soul and God. The Lord is my shepherd. Verse 1 here is a declaration and a deduction. It is one thing to say the Lord is a shepherd. Many people say that and it sounds so good. But can you make it personal and say the Lord is my shepherd? By the authority of his redemptive work, his death and resurrection, you can trust him and call him your shepherd. It is also easy to say, the Lord will be my shepherd. But David did not say that either. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. This is a declaration. I shall not want. Notice that David does not say, I have not wanted. But I shall not want. That is 
what is that I need? Well, I need safety. I am a sheep. And if you would like to think sheep are stupid little animals, therefore my shepherd sees to it that I won't want anything, even for protection. He protects me. When a little sheep says, I shall not want and I shall never perish, it is because it has a wonderful shepherd. I shall not want looks into the future and gives assurance to the child of God. The security of the believer rests upon the great shepherd, and the believer's deduction rests upon this declaration. Not only do sheep need safety, they need sufficiency and satisfaction. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. That is sufficient, my friend. People who know sheep tell us that a hungry sheep will not lie down. When sheep are lying down in green pastures, it means they have their tummies full. And Christ is our sufficiency. John 6 verse 35, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes on me shall never thirst. He leads me besides the still waters. You see, sheep are frightened by turbulent waters, and they won't like stagnant water either. They don't want to drink where the, the pigs have been drinking. All of this applies to the human family, my friend. We need rest in our day. Not so much physical or mental rest, but rest of the soul. Remember what David said in Psalm 55, verse 6. Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then would I fly away and be at rest. You see, he wanted to get away from it all, but he found out that getting away from it all did not solve his problems. He had to learn to put his trust in the Lord, to rest in him and wait patiently upon him. The Lord Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Next, we move on to the record of the thoughts of the shepherd's mind. Psalm 23, verse 3 and verse 4. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. First here we see he restores my soul. He knew what that meant. David had sinned. He was that little lost sheep that had strayed from the fold, and his shepherd had restored him. When David sinned, God restored him and brought him back into the fold. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads, but we must follow. The Lord Jesus said to the religious rulers who were actually his enemies, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they be a witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. John 10, verse 25 to 27. You see, sheep will follow their own shepherd. That is the way you can tell the one to whom the sheep belong. In Jesus' day, 
The shepherd never drove his sheep. He led them. Unfortunately, it is not the case today. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Here is a courage and comfort. Death is the supreme test of life. This is not just talking about the deathbed, you see. Our human family lives in the shadow of death. When a person is born, he starts down in a great canyon. That canyon is the valley of the shadow of death. You are in it constantly. You never come out of it. All of us walk in the shadow of death. As someone has said, the moment that gives you life begins to take it away from you. All of us are in the death's valley. The shadow of death is on us. But all the while I walk through that valley, I will fear no evil. This is the encouraging comfort he gives. If one of our beloved one dies as a child of God, this is our courage and comfort. We fear no evil. I will fear no evil for you are with me. We can know that our great shepherd is with us at all times and even at the time of death. And I want him with me when my time comes to die. I want him with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You see, a rod was for defense and a staff was for direction. So you see, the good shepherd gives us gentle reproof and severe reproof. He has a rod for our defense, but he also has a staff for our direction. He has a staff for the little old sheep that are bound to stray. That comforts me. I hope it does to you as well. The last section of Psalm 23 actually is a reflection of the happiness and the hope of the shepherd's heart. Psalm 23 verse 5 to verse 6. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now these two verses reflect the happiness and hope of the shepherd's heart. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Here we have felicity fruitfulness and fullness all of that is undergirded with joy what is that table today i think the table speaks of the lord's table at the time this psalm was written it spoke of god's promise to israel of physical blessings to us his promises are spiritual blessings you anoint my head with oil that oil speaks of the holy spirit we need that anointing today. We cannot face life alone without the Holy Spirit. My cup runs over. This is symbolic of joy. Oh, we need to be undergirded with joy today. The Lord says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. The Lord wants our joy to be full. Oh, how this world needs Christians who are running over with joy. This brings us to the final verse of this psalm. Our great shepherd 
brings us all the way from the green pastures and the still waters to the Father's house. So we read, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In John 14, verse 2 to verse 3, the Lord says to us, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, my friend, you know we are not pedigreed sheep, and sheep are not worth much anyway, but we do have a wonderful shepherd. If he is the shepherd who gave his life for the sheep, and he is your savior, this psalm is for you, my friend. Psalm 24 actually is a psalm of the crown. It speaks of the coming of the chief shepherd. Tradition says it was composed by David and sung when he brought up the ark from Kijath Jerim to Mount Zion, as indicated in First Chronicles 13 verse 1 to verse 8. It was sung in an antiphonal way. It has now been suggested that it was sung by the chorus of the procession and by the solo voices. Josephus, the Jewish historian, says that seven choirs of singers and musicians marched before the ark as it was brought to Mount Zion, where David had prepared a tabernacle for it until the temple was built. The psalm divides itself into two sections. The companions of the king who enter the kingdom, verse 1 to verse 6, and the coming of the king to set up the kingdom, verse 7 to verse 10. Now, it must have been wonderful to have heard this psalm sung even in David's day. First of all, let us look at the companions of the king who enter the kingdom. First is the chorus of the procession. Psalm 24, verse 1 to verse 2. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. David speaks of him again as a creator. The Lord is the creator. This earth belongs to him. The earth does not belong to political parties. It does not belong to any president, whoever he may be. The earth belongs to the Lord. It does not belong to the communists, whatever ideologist may be. There are so many people today who want to run this earth as if it belongs to them. The earth belongs to God. You see, he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. On the third day of creation, God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called the seas. And God saw that it was good. Genesis 1 verse 9 and 10. You see, when God gathered the waters together, he submerged the land. The land appeared out of the water. It was life out of death, and it speaks of resurrection. That's what we see, the chorus of the procession. But what are the soloists doing there? 
the soloist would be singing. Psalm 24 verse 3. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? In other words, who shall stand in his holy place? The answer is in the next verse. And of course it comes from the answering soloist. Psalm 24 verse 4. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. Now, if the only ones who are going to ascend into the hill of the Lord are those who have clean hands and a pure heart, and those who have not lifted up their souls to idols, nor sworn deceitfully, I guess I won't be there. That leaves me out. But I'm going to be there because I'm going to be there in Christ. He has undertaken to present me before the throne of grace in his present priestly office because I have trusted him as my savior. You too can be there. Then the chorus comes and the solo voices are there. Psalm 24 verse 5 to verse 6. He shall receive blessings from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, Selah. Now you picture the procession as it enters Jerusalem singing. Psalm 24 verse 7. Lift up your heads, all you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Isn't it amazing? A voice from the gate inquires, Who is the king of glory? And the chorus answers, Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up you everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Psalm 24. Verse 8 and 9. And then another voice from the gates inquires, Who is the king of glory? And again the chorus answers, Probably the full choir and the orchestra, Who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Selah. Psalm 24 verse 10. I think this passage illustrates here two events. First of all, this is a picture of when the Lord returns to heaven. It is also a picture of his coming back to the earth. Thus, it is a messianic psalm, but it is a psalm of crown. We see the Lord being crowned there, the king of glory, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Who is the king of glory? He is the Lord of hosts. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he is the King of glory. He is he your King. Is he in his right place in your life? But he will come to reign. Be ready. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies... Please send a WhatsApp message or SMS to plus two seven seven two six four one four four seven five. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. I'll repeat that number for you. 
It's country code 27 followed by 72641-4475. From within South Africa, it's 072-641-4475.